welcome to the special edition of Politics Done Right with Egberto Willis. And I am your co-host today, Robbie Caban. And I'm really excited to bring on one of my favorite people, a whistleblower activist for labor in Atlanta, Georgia, Yvette Avery. How you guys doing today? Yvette, actually, I want to give you the chance to introduce yourself. I know you, but could you please just give a little snippet about who is Yvette Avery? Well, hi, yes, you said I'm Yvette Avery, a uh, unionist, uh, workers' rights activist here in Atlanta, Georgia. Been around for several years just fighting for people's rights. You know, we, we have to do that, especially in this state, this right to work at will. So that's something that I like to do. And that's something that's in my heart that keeps pushing me every day. And how, how long have you been a labor activist? I've been a labor activist uh, almost 15 years. We're going to talk about a little bit about what happened to you. Let's get right into it, if you don't mind. Um, you worked for a huge corporation in Atlanta, Georgia, an airline. Most of the time, people don't think of airlines as corporations. And you were there seven years, impeccable record. And your story, uh, I'm going to catch people up to speed. And then we'll get into um, some additional questions. I believe you recently interviewed with Egberto alone. But for those people that don't know you, so there are many people who have been uh, retaliated against and terminated, but your story is, is, is interesting not only because uh, we all need to talk about these things in the day and age of workers' rights and people quitting and uh, exploitation of workers with corporations, but you were there with an impeccable record for seven years and you were hired while you worked for another company. But once you became effective as a union organizer, uh, basically helping your co-workers to get medical, to get time off, to get things that any, you know, responsible, righteous employer would offer, you were targeted and you were told what exactly? Could you brief people? Yeah, so I was pulled into the office and told that all of a sudden my job with UPS was now a conflict of interest with Delta Airlines. After seven years being hired, as you said, with it on my resume. So all of a sudden, it's a conflict of interest and told me that I had to choose between which job I wanted to keep. But interestingly enough, during that time, the work that you were doing, the organizing, um, was actually making a little headway, wasn't it? You were right, appropriately organizing, writing letters to the company, advising, you know, this is what the staff needs. This, again, basic things. I think there's something interesting about your particular case because again other people have uh, this has happened to a lot of people but you in particular with this impeccable record who disclosed this on your resume resume was still targeted and the people you were organizing and I'm glad you mentioned the company um were they just tell us a little bit about some of your co-workers so these are called below wing employees and were they um predominantly people of color were they predominant tell a little bit about there's reason I'm asking right so the I was actually a gate agent, so I was above wing worker, but I was helping mm -hmm. to organize the below wing workers and cargo workers, which are predominantly people of color. So I'm out front being voiceless about, you know, what they needed because I came from below wing. So I knew very much, you know, and were very, you know, aware of the things needed there. So I stood out as somebody who was speaking out and they didn't want that to catch wind above wing as well, which is also predominantly people of color and women. So they stepped in really quickly to try to see how they could, you know, move me on out the way. I'm glad you explained it that way. And I, I need to really 
work a little better at, I know your story, so I, I'm, but I wanna get to some, I guess what people would call the meat and potatoes. So there are components, and thank you for clarifying that you were above wing, the, front, the frontal employees, because oftentimes the face looks a certain way in certain mm -hmm. departments, and then the people doing the work, mm -hmm. some people may call it the hard labor, the um, grunt work looks a certain face too. Right. And so you were there as a, as a frontal employee working for people who weren't always seen. Is it fair to say that those people were predominantly black and brown? Yes, of course. Is it fair to say, and, and the predominant, the people in the departments that are, that make basically the operation run who were predominantly black and brown were ununionized, unrepresented, right? Right. It's an interesting thing about this company. Um, are there certain departments that are unionized in the same company? Same company, the pilots are the only unionized workforce, predominantly white and male. Oh, definitely uh, a big difference. So that that's fascinating. Same company, Delta Airlines in Atlanta, Georgia. And ironically, Atlanta, Georgia is a right to work state, right to fire. Um, and you, after you were retaliated against, I believe you were suspended for 30 days, right? Without pay? Months, no pay. And then you uh, had, then you were, tell us what happened. You, you even have a recording from an HR rep, rep right? A Delta I, Airlines HR rep. And during the month you were suspended, because um, of course, tell me a little bit about the experience you had when you were suspended. Were there people calling you? What were they telling you? Um, oftentimes when people are really strong like you, they, they get all these people in the background. I've seen Maxine Waters talk about this. Maxine, you got to tell them this. Maxine, keep going. Maxine, this. So what was happening during this time? I, I believe you even got sent an article, something that the airline was doing, um, a marketing component. Talk a little about that, please. Yeah, so it was a lot going on uh, during that time frame. So being suspended, of course, people from HR reaching out. And they wanted me all of a sudden, again, to follow Delta policies, but you put me out on the street and didn't want me to record anything that was transpiring between us, even though that was my right in this state of Georgia in the one party law. So but besides that, of course, we have people coming out of the woodwork from saying, hey, this has happened to me. This has happened to me. You know, it's a lot of people who have done been done wrong and retaliated against and harassed at this company who never spoke out. You know, but they came to me and let me know what their stories were. So I had a lot of people coming around doing that as well. Besides that, of course, um, I'm being suspended. Delta Airlines is out here paying $83,000 to open up the MLK uh, monument. All of a sudden, you're suspending me. Now you're saying, hey, we believe what MLK believed in, which you really don't. So it was two faces. The company puts one face out for the public, but we as employees was getting another face. So it was it was a lot going on at that time. Definitely a lot going on. Thank you for being so transparent about that. And the, the interesting part is I know you personally, which is why I asked Alberto, um, can I please interview Yvette? You know, I know he did, but this is a little bit of a different angle, more than a, the update on what occurred. Ultimately, you sought legal counsel. You did were you able to find, first of all, were you able to find an attorney in Atlanta, Georgia? No, attorneys in Atlanta would not touch it. Uh, Delta owns Atlanta in many aspects. So through not only companies, politicians, as well as, you know, attorneys all have their hands somewhere within Delta. So there's like, no, we can't represent you because we have, uh, we have some business with them 
or no, no, right. we don't do that. So I we fly Delta. <laughs> exactly. Like I have been. No, I'm a medallion. No, why would I? So they were turning me down left and right, left and right. So you had to go with a company outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And this company, it, it was so pervasive. What was occurring, retaliation and terminations, um, anti-labor labor tactics, which it went viral. But that being said, the company had an entire file. Is that right. true for Delta? Yeah, I had to go out to Philadelphia to find a company uh, attorneys that would represent me. And they had a page specifically for Delta employees. So that's how bad it is. When you have a page specifically for Delta employees, people were seeking them from all over the country. So it's interesting for people who don't know, Georgia's right to work, right? Right to basically someone, is this fair to say someone can be terminated for any reason at any time. And the recourse they have is a legal recourse, but you're already terminated out the door. Your badge is taken, your, your entryways are taken. So it's interesting. Perhaps it's more than a love for Atlanta that Delta stays in Atlanta, Georgia, and then has hubs everywhere, right? Because we're gonna get into a little bit of the um, strategy that, that we've been uncovered here. And Egberto is gonna be so kind enough to put up all these images and show exactly. We did a show the other day with Kamal Franklin of the Community Movement Builders, and he was discussing the political apparatus in Atlanta, Georgia, the quote unquote black Mecca. And this ties right back to you because you brought up the politicians and what, how companies can own a city. And we hear all these discussions of Amazon and Amazon cities. So I, I believe you are on the forefront of this. And I believe this already happened with you and that Delta, as you said, is owned uh, or owns Atlanta, Georgia. So you are a black woman. Um, is that fair to say? Uh, yes, it is. Because yeah. you, you really could be in Dominican. You could anything that made it. So. But you happen to be a black woman. Yeah. And thank you for confirming that. And you live in the, or you live and work out of Atlanta, Georgia in the Black Mecca, right? I mean, that's fair to say that's what's said. And you did work for Delta Airlines for over seven years with an impeccable record and disclosed that you had another job on your resume. And when you became effective organizing Black and Brown workers, you were suspended for 30 days without pay and spent a two-year legal battle, had to get a firm outside of the Black Mecca. And uh, in this inter during this time, did you approach any politicians, um, someone that would be relevant? I, I happened to be with you when you did it, but right. can you talk a little bit about approaching a now mayoral candidate named Andre Dickens, who was the transportation committee chair in, in Atlanta? Yeah, so I did bring this to him personally on several occasions via email, as well as when I went down to Atlanta City Hall and spoke on this same matter and got nothing. Was ignored, email never returned. Now, if you're running now for mayor of Atlanta over uh, predominantly uh, people of color, this is a, the black Mecca, and you wouldn't even reach out during your position as a transportation chair to try to fix something or try to mediate or try to see what you could do to help that situation. I felt totally ignored. Um, and the people of Atlanta should recognize that. If you can't deal with people who work in Atlanta and bringing you issues, then what would you do if you're over the entire city? So not sure how that's gonna work out for him. And, and I'm, I'm glad you, you explained it in, with passion because I was really disappointed in Andre. Andre Dickens is an at-large Atlanta city council and he 
he was the transportation committee chair and he had all the authority, you know, and I watched you approach him. I, wa I saw your emails to him and to just leave you out there. And the really heartbreaking part about this, Egberto, is that, um, and I don't have to tell Yvette this because she lived it. And you've already heard that this is happening to so many people, particular people, particular people in a particular city. But it's, 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 it's sad because who is the other option, right? If we have a new race, the mayoral race is Mayor Reed, who's basically a corporate, and you're gonna see an image of uh, Mayor Reed with the former CEO of Delta Airlines, Richard Anderson, who's practically crying um, and hugging this man. And, and Richard Anderson happens to be Caucasian. And Mayor Reed happens to be an African-American male. And behind, ironically, in this image, Richard Anderson is uh, this, the now CEO, um, who's also a Caucasian male. I mean, you look at the board of directors, which Egberto is going to provide you, you scroll down this, they all look a certain way too. Mm -hmm. And the, the now CEO is on CNN talking about how he's ashamed of the lack of diversity. And here you are trying to help who makes that airline run. And they're giving, using their marketing, talking about civil rights, and you go to your transportation chair, the at-large person of Atlanta City Council, Andre Dickens, at-large, meaning he's responsible for the whole city. And he right. leaves you high and dry. All right. And the other part is, who else do you have to go to? These are our Democrats. So are we supposed to vote Republican? Does it get any better there? Egberto, I'm saying this because this is the context of where people are of color are at in Atlanta, Georgia, that we're, where we're discussing rights to vote, right? It became a national topic. And these are our options. In other words, we have no options. I mean, is that is that fair to say how you felt? Very true. That's exactly how I felt. It was like, who else can you go to? Like, if you can't depend on the people who are there, supposed to do their job there, then where else do you go? So we had to turn to try to, you know, do our own thing, try to push it out to the public social media wise, you know, we had to do it our own, you know, our own way. If I may piggyback on what uh, Ravi just said, because um, uh, when she said uh, no options, I just want to add a corollary to that in that the options are exactly what Yvette and Ravi are doing right now. And that is open in the eyes of people who would otherwise not have known this. So um, using platforms like these and others, Yvette and Ravi, I just have to uh, thank you guys for, for that sort of opportunity to get that information out. And I just want, I, I didn't say anything earlier, but I just want everyone to know that Yvette uh, Avery is one of my uh, heroes. I've been following her a long time after she was brought to me by both Ravi Caban and Tamara Shili. Uh, introduced me to this powerhouse out there in Atlanta that's actually traveling the country with these types of uh, uh, protests. So, uh, Robbie, uh, thanks again for bringing uh, Yvette on the platform to let Americans understand, not only with respect to Atlanta, but around the country, that there is power in workers. So thank you, guys. Anytime. The only thing I want to add on that, and thank you, Egberto, and thank you, Yvette, because she's really the one who took the hit. And I asked you about your partner and your son, because when someone like Yvette takes the hit, everyone's affected in their family. So all these people coming behind saying, keep going Yvette, this happened to me, this happened to me. The truth, the, when people say there's power in workers, 
there's really only power in organized workers. Right. You know, and that that's where this company is literally, and, and I'm going to say this directly because I've actually experienced some things as well, but Clayton, the airport in Atlanta, Georgia is in Fulton County and is in Clayton County, okay? And the revenue is the second largest employer in Georgia. And right now there's kind of a political argument um, with the um, Atlanta city who runs the airport, huge revenue, second largest employer and the uh, state who wants it. So the city is predominantly democratic. The state is predominantly Governor Kemp, I'm sure you've heard about it. But the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because civil rights, which, you know, obviously this is, this is, the vet is affected in that way as we all are, and labor rights, right, voting rights, the, the right to vote, the right to access voting, and the right to organize, they're kind of integral, aren't they? And they're both happening in Georgia. Yvette, I, wanted to, I want you to explain to people how you see it, because you're not only a labor activist, you're, you're also a voting activist. I've Correct. seen you out there, you know, in the fields, in the streets. Can you talk a little bit about how you see it? Well, definitely labor and uh, civil rights, voting rights all go hand in hand. This is something that has been fought for for years. And we are here in the birthplace of MLK, where a lot of this stuff took place. And it should be a priority for these companies that are getting behind, even like Delta Airlines, getting behind these horrible voting uh, legislations and then try to, you know, back up out of it all of a sudden, but you, you spending money to suppress the vote. You know, I even came out about that. These companies are suppressing the vote, but then it's, and exploiting their workforce all at the same time. So we're, we're seeing all kind of, you know, things that show how they do correlate when it comes to your civil rights, your voting rights and, uh, your civil rights all being violated by these companies and pressed down on the workforce. Really, Julian Bonds, who's in a photo, you know, at a Delta, at the at what you're talking about, the civil rights, when Delta's giving money to this, but also giving money to the right to restrict people's access to vote. And it's interesting because there's a pattern here. They're also restricting their employees' right to vote. And mm -hmm. it's certain people who are being restricted. And it's certain areas and communities that are being harmed and not receiving the revenue out of the airport, maybe like Clayton County. Right. And interestingly enough, Clayton County is predominantly people of color, isn't it? It and Clayton is. County schools don't have the funding that they need. And maybe if we didn't allow this company to own a city and own politicians, do you think it might be different? Oh, it definitely would be different. And we can see that in the other models around the city who, you know, other areas that they do support well versus the areas that they don't. If it's people of color and predominantly people of color, it's not being supported. Uh, we see that and it's very obvious with these uh, corporations. I, you know, I, I want, I want, I'm mentioning this and I'm, I'm asking you about these specific topics because it's all kind of convoluted, but I want people to understand when you hear media, like there's a reporter, Maria Saporta, who, if you look at her visually, she's a Caucasian woman. Her writer, David Pentergrass, I believe, is a Caucasian man. They won't touch Delta Airlines in negative press, but they were once, a they were once sponsored. By Delta. So when you have your media, you know, and people are so busy and concerned about their livelihoods, this is why independent media is so crucial. Do you think that's fair to say and true? Oh, very true. Because I could get no, uh, none of the, the news media to touch my story. So I know for a fact, I sent them specifically myself, could not get a response on that. Nobody wants to touch Delta Airlines here, not on a anything negative now they'll preach and put them out for any positive things they want to do but it took social media and that flyer they put out uh 
trying to say we could use $700 instead of paying union dues to buy video games. Like we're just a bunch of video game heads and sit around or drink beer. They was putting out, you know, putting out all these crazy flyers demeaning the workforce. And it caught fire only because social media caught fire and they had to cover it. Other than that, they wouldn't have touched the story. If, it, if it's negative and it's Delta, the news here is not touching it. And and question, I saw that Bernie actually stood up with the labor union. Um, and there's there's a discussion. I'm not sure we can get into it today. I'd love to interview you again about diversity in labor and maybe even the lack of diversity in labor. Uh, if you could just give a few of your thoughts on that. And I'm curious, did you ever hear from Mr. Senator Sanders? I didn't hear from him personally, but uh, I was I would have been able to meet him in person if I was able to get to one of those uh, events that we had when he was uh, with the organizers from the Delta Workers Unite campaign. But it is an issue in the labor movement as well. Uh, I'm a teamster, been a teamster for a long time, and our representation needs to look like the workforce, look like the employees, look like the membership. If our membership, predominantly women or predominantly people of color, we need to see that instead of a white male uh, dominated area. And that's in all, you know, they looking like the corporations, but our unions need to work on that as well. That's something definitely needs to work on. Do you think that unionized, that or organizing for labor would be more effective if they were operating more inclusively and, and a representative of the demographic as opposed to behaving kind of similarly like the corporation where certain people have privileges, certain people are heard, certain people are seen, as in the case with Delta Airlines, their board of directors, their executives have contracts, their pilots who are predominantly male have, have union contracts. And I mean, is that fair to say? It definitely is. When people see themselves out there, they're like, oh, okay, so they do care about us. So it's not just, hey, these same type of, you know, white males all the time, and they, these are the ones that are going to hold the power, and I don't hold the power. No, you as the worker, you as the member, you hold the power. So stand up, you know, run for office become elected you know become that leadership because that's what we need to do but organized power and when you do get in office like mr jenkins okay please don't leave your folks behind exactly. answer your emails sir respond to your constituency sir oh Egberto, please do you want to and uh yeah. Input we... Right. I just wanted to get a question before your last question. And this is to Yvette. Um, we kind of discussed this a little bit while um, we were getting on. And that is the movement, the movement that you represent, the worker movement has started to metastasize all over the country in the last few weeks. I would just love to hear your thoughts on that, because I can tell you from somebody who reports on this and have been watching this, I am so excited and I want to know if you share my excitement and what you think going forward on, on, on these labor movements that's happening throughout the country. Like I said, I'm thoroughly overjoyed to see that now, you know, workers are realizing that they hold the power, the organized workers, especially they're calling for strikes all over the country because of, you know, uh, unfair treatment, poor contracts. And, you know, they realize that, you know, now, okay, these companies really need us. Hopefully, the workers who are not organized will get together and organize. And I believe that's going to be our future here. More organized labor, catching fire throughout the whole U.S. and people realizing that they really hold the power and they're making the money for the corporations. They should share in that. 
Um, they should be able to take care of their families without working two or three jobs. They should have health care. They should have pensions, things that they should have to be able to live life and enjoy life, just like the ones at the top receiving all that money. And I'd like to piggyback off of that. This is a safety factor. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, Amazon had people peeing in bottles to use lavatory. I mean, inhumane conditions. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, who we paid to go into space, you know, the big millionaire, billionaire guy, okay? The airport, I mean, there's a safety factors out of the airport. It hardly ever gets, makes the news. But if you force baggage people to get that airplane out, and that's really the bottom line, this airline doesn't want, a worker or an employee to be able to say, hey, no, I, I can't shove all these doors in because these airplanes have to go out because they lose money. But that's actually unsafe. An airplane can literally not be able to take off if it's balanced incorrectly. Yvette, do you have an example of a safety factor? And did you see things regarding safety issues at the airport that you're, you were concerned about? Definitely. Um, people are, because of those time constraints, take shortcuts. <laughs> very unsafe so therefore we've had people who uh pulling up equipment to aircraft with nobody guiding them up we have people unloading and loading aircraft where it's two men two women to a gate when that's not enough staffing and this is this is pre-covid so this is before you know the work shortage as they claim or the uh, shortage of employees you know as they claim they were working people short very dangerous people are you know doing well above what they're supposed to be doing and getting injured. And some have even been killed out there on the ramp trying to get things done in an unsafe manner. People never know what they're up against or you know how close they may have come to having an incident because of people trying to get things done, get those doors shut and get everything done under those time constraints because they want to keep their job. I mean, they're trying to do whatever they can because they know they have no recourse. The last thing I want to ask you, Yvette, is that you've had the opportunity to work for a union company and a non-union company. In your opinion, in your experience, what you've seen, what is the main difference? Well, the organized workers have job protection and bargaining ability. You know, without a union, you're in the office, you're all alone with management when you're being targeted with no representation. That feeling is a feeling no one should have to deal with or go through. It's hard when it's just you, but they can have as many management personnel as they want in the room against you versus when you have that representation standing by you and that contract that you have to make the company follow up. Yeah. When, when you're sitting alone in that room with management, when you get called in, how do you even prove what was said and what wasn't said? It doesn't matter. It's all he said, she said, and you're wrong. So it really doesn't matter what happened because the company is going to be right in that instance is always, always. But when you have a union steward, now you have someone knitting, sitting next to you. So is it equivalent? Does it feel like going to court with an attorney or without one? Is that fair to say? It is. As a steward, I've been called an attorney many times because that's what it, exactly what it's like. Exactly what it's like. I, I want to thank you, Egberto. I want to thank you. I hope this gives people insight into the reality of the a unionized workforce, a protected workforce. And we're not talking about you know, protecting people who, who don't do their job. That's not even, we can get into that discussion on a follow-up if you want. Yvette, do you have any commentary on that? Because I think some type, go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, we can only do what we can do. I can't fire people, that's up to management. So if management doesn't do their job, 
you can't hold the union accountable for what management doesn't do. We have to do our job as union to protect the workers' rights. If management, you know, flops off and doesn't discipline or do what they're supposed to do, all we can do is make sure it's equality and make sure they do the right thing by the people, you know? And when you say equality, that means treating people the same. So if somebody was five minutes late and somebody else is five minutes late, that means those workers should be treated the same if their exactly. records are, are instead of using things to target people. So right. this, this discussion is so important per exactly what Egberto said all over the country. And I hope the unions are hearing we need inclusivity. We, you know, listen to your constituency right here who's taken the hit. As, and please, everyone, if you can, is, is there still a petition? Now, I have a petition for something else now, but no. <laughs> yeah, for, uh, for drivers and safety out here. Yeah, so okay. we, we have petitions for that as well, but it's a lot going on with workers. So we definitely, anytime you see something to support workers, stand up, join in, you know, that's all I can ask for everyone. Yvette, I want to thank you. I want you to thank you personally for taking the hits. If you did want a petition started, I'll start one for you. And I want to thank Egberto Willis, independent media, fair media, equitable media, inclusive media. Be careful, people. Open your eyes. Look at these visuals. This is strategy. And their marketing is strategy. We need the truth. And you're looking at the truth right there. She's right in front of you. Thank you, Yvette. Thank you, Robbie, and definitely thank you, Egberto, for having me on. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.